With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup Pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Okay, so your joke that you told in Toronto and your feelings about it, you had to develop that skill of, of you, you were always, I feel like from the beginning when you started doing stand-up, you were great at telling a story and you had so many crazy stories because you were the number one party animal in the world. Mm-hmm. So you had so many like just crazy stories, but for stand-up, you had to like punch it up. And I feel like that was a skill you probably spent a long time learning, but now that you're so comfortable with it, it's almost like you're, and you tell me if I'm wrong, it's almost like you're naturally saying, okay, well, I don't want to be in my comfort zone for too long. What's the next step? So what do you think yeah. will happen when you stop telling these nifty ending stories? What's the next step for, for your development? I've actually put a lot of thought in that. It's one of the reasons I, I love Bill Burr as a friend. He's a great guy, but I really respect him as an artist because what I noticed he did, and I don't know if he cognizantly noticed, but I've known Bill from when he did clean material. Like when he just worked clean and he like sounded like Brian Regan. And what he decided to do was challenge himself and go in new directions. So I've actually thought I would like to be able to act out more on stage. Which you do in this special much more than The Machine. Oh, so yeah. Secret Time you, is three-fourths you're acting out. Yeah. The Machine, you're telling well, I was stories. super high energy. When I started, I was all act out. And then I and was And by the like, way, just to define, act out means you're doing voices. You're, yeah. Instead of just saying, this is what my dad said, you'll get your dad's voice, you'll get your wife's like Dimitri voice. Dimitri Martin's got no act out in his material. It's great material, but he doesn't act out much. Sebastian, on the other hand, would be- It's all act out. All act out. So I would love to increase that more. I would love to, um, I, I really, honestly, I, and I, part of me feels like I'm gonna, I might do like a one-man show, because I have all this material about working on Travel Channel, but it's very- uh, exclusive. It doesn't, doesn't. it's like my material, I think what I'm good at is making you feel like we're all in a living room and hanging out and I'm just telling you stories. But I, when I do my travel channel stuff, it really is almost like one percenter. Like you're like, well, did I tell you about the time I was in Vietnam? Or the, you know, everyone's like, I've never even, like, like it takes them a second to go, what, wait, what? And yeah, like, but, but they, but the thing is, and this what's made, this, this is how you leveraged your party animal skills into comedy is that the audience, you're throwing a party on the stage and yeah. the audience wants to come to the party. Yeah. I notice in your specials, the audience laughs at stuff that's not even really that funny because they just want to join you. And I'm yeah. not saying this is no, an no, insult. No, no, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't take that as an insult. You're telling a story. You don't even intend every word to be funny. But when you say, all I did was blurt out, I am the machine, yeah. everyone laughs. It's not a punchline. There's no punchline. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's funny. Like, of, co- of course our buddy Burke Kreischer is up on stage and, and then he's telling about talking to Russian gangsters that he's, he's so nervous. He says he's the machine and then they welcome him in with welcome, you know, open arms. Like that's funny to, to, to the audience and the way you yeah. say it, like your shirt's off and you're, and you have the right bellow in your voice and you know, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. You say that I've noticed that a lot. We're like in the machine story specifically, like, like there's lines that I go are not funny and but they get a laugh and you're like huh. 
Am I muscling that down their throats? But then you're like, fuck it. As part of the, you know, it's well, part, part, of- part of humor is persona and you have, and stage presence, which you, which it's almost like you borrowed from, let's say the the ten thousand hours skill of being the best party animal ever. <laughs> That's a brilliant fucking statement. <laughs> I feel like you know what's so funny. Someone asked me the the other day, uh, when did you, when did you start? When did you know you were a good storyteller, or something something like that? In ninth grade. In ninth grade. And like, and I, I made a joke about this on stage the other day. I can't remember exactly, but I, I went on a rant about hot chicks, about something about hot chicks. I forget what it was. I should watch that video. But something about hot chicks and going, I would love to be able to have been a hot chick growing up. Like that would have been great just to be hot. And then you're all, you're, as a, an attractive woman, you're automatically famous. Like you're, people, you turn heads and people look at you and they want to meet you. But I was like, I had to learn how to tell a story. Ninth grade, I remember I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, and and it was so different than my other high school because there were no girls there. So you had to have an ascertainable talent to be able to sit at a lunch table. Like, you had to have a reason to be at that cool lunch table. Like, if you looked around all the lunch tables, and one lunch table was hot, and people were standing up around it, you had to have a reason to have a seat there. And for me, my reason was uh, was telling a story. I remember rehearsing my stories from religion class over to the cafeteria being like all right i'm gonna tell the story about the beer run that we did and came in when he jumped. and i, I literally was like and then a, a dog jumps in oh that'd be funny as shit and so i learned how to tell a story in in high school so part of it is and this this goes back to to the beginning but i think it leads to the comedy it leads to all your your career is on the one hand you appear fearless like you'll go on stage You'll take your shirt off. It's almost as if you don't care what people think. Um, you know, you're in the machine. Your your gut is sort of hanging out a little bit. Yeah. You know, on your reality shows, you'll 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 fight a bear just because the producer tells you to. Like you don't want people to dislike you, and you and you appear fearless. But the contrast is, a lot of it is because you desperately want people to like you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hardcore. And, and why do you think, why do you think, when do you think that started? It started at the age of 12. So what happened at the age of 12? I don't know. I don't know either. You're going to have to think about is that it. What, is that what, ha- is that what? I'm they, just guessing. Um, 13, 12? I don't know. I don't know. I, I really honestly don't know, but I desperately, I mean, like, I I have been well aware of that, and especially in, like, the uh, comment section on Instagram, I don't like negative comments. Like it, I like delete it them. Really messes me up. So like I don't. I stopped reading them altogether. And then and then today Gary v, Gary V put out this video of like you need to be reading every comment. That's how you know what to do next. That's I was bullshit. Like, I was like you're wrong. you're actually really wrong. You're really wrong. And it, and and you're being misleading because I don't think you actually read your comments. And you probably have someone read your comments and then they give you feedback, but you're not doing it. And I'm doing it on the ground level. And trust me, it fucking sucks. Um, I, yeah, I, it's painful. Yeah, I want I, I because the only people who leave comments, by the way, are people who are going to leave negative comments. The people who love you, they just uh, oh, when's his next special coming out? I'm going to read his book. They're, they're doing yeah. intelligent things. Yeah, not commenting. Some people uh, leave positive comments, like friends and family members, and like and like other comics will leave positive comments, and some people leave like definitely positive comments. But I, what I've noticed is it is a lot more beneficial for a person trying to get people to their channel to their page if they um 
leave something really negative and then and then people reply mm. like and they so they'll leave like the most volatile negative comment and then people will then go find them and be like oh that's and so i i was like i wish i could block comments you can you can delete them yeah but then once you delete someone's comment they know you're they're in your head mm. and i don't want them that privilege mm. so i just i just don't read them like if you're negative i go oh remember i like and then I go, okay, so what's the payoff? Do I really want my ego stroked by reading positive ones? Because that's that's really shallow in an essence to go like, oh, man, everyone's loving me. Everyone's loving me. And then versus that one time this woman's like, why would you say that about Chelsea Handler? And I'd be like, it was a joke. It's a joke, and I say that I like girls who have a hint of cunt in them. And like, like it's a joke. Uh, and then you're like, oh, and then you're – and then you watch her fight online and you're like, I'm just, I got to block you. I got to block you. I can't have you in my life. Like you're just, whatever you're spewing, I don't want in my life. But you have nailed, you've hit the head on the nail. I desperately crave uh, acceptance and, and people liking me. What, what did you think initially? Because look, a lot of people deal with this. I deal with this. What do you think initially caused, caused you to think, I need to add to myself like a storytelling ability in order for people to like me. Like, why did you initially even think that? I mean, that's not even the, like, oh, I have no idea. You know, I used to, I used to, and I still do. Um, this is a hardcore secret time. I had to, I had to cognizantly stop doing this. I used to talk to people in high school and, Maybe in college, I don't. But in high school, I, I, my friend called me out on it. Whatever you, I would tell you whatever you wanted to hear, even if it needed me to lie to you. Like, like if you were like, uh, I'm trying to think of the perfect example. But say, say you were like, you were like, uh, man, um, Missy, whatever Missy, what you call it, is a slut. She broke my heart. I'd be like, oh yeah, and then I would tell you whatever you, I would want you to be happy. So I would tell you whatever you needed to hear about that girl, Missy, even if I had to make something up, which I thought would have been based in fact, even if I had to make something up to make you happy. And my buddy, Blake, called me on it one night. And we were at his dad's house. And he's like, I can't trust you because you're like, you're telling me things, you're lying to me. It was about this, this group called EPU, right? EPU is a, a, a group in our high school called a pluribus unum. And you had to... It was almost like a fraternity. And Blake and I had said we weren't going to do it. And then the older guys came to me and they were like, hey, man, we want you to do EPU this year. I was like, okay. And then Blake pulled me aside and he's like, you're not doing EPU. And I was like, no. And I lied to him. I was like, the fuck those guys, dude. They're not, I, I don't, we don't want to be a part of those guys. And he was like, cool, cool, just so you know. And then they came to me and they're like, you're definitely doing it. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I joined this group and I lied to my friend. And I, and it, and it, and I, and I just lied to him. But I wanted him to be happy. And then when he said, called me on it, I said, I didn't want to tell you the truth because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. He was like, Yeah, but you hurt my feelings now. I said, Yeah, but I don't know which one would have been worse. <laughs> and I just, it, but I had to make a. I remember that I was a. I must have been a junior or sophomore in high school, and I had to stop. I had to stop. Like I would stay to my stuff. Like, hey, when you see dot dot dot, don't bring up that. And then I'd get there and I'd be like biting my fucking tongue. But yeah, that, that is, it is a crazy concept that you have pointed out to me that I 
definitely, and I've known this for a long time, but I definitely have a, a need for acceptance. But think about that tension, right? Like there's a couple of tensions there. There's the tension of needing to be liked, so uh, a propensity to say yes when you don't want to. Then there's the tendency to live a double life because some people you're saying one thing, some people you're saying the other. So it's like you, you have to keep track of two lives and it's hard enough yeah. to live one life. But that tension creates humor. Like your story of like, I don't know why, after, on that reality show you describe in, in the book where you're doing you know difficult jobs like an exterminator and so on. In the episode that never even aired, you, the producer says, you've got to fight a bear. You already had like two concussions, like a broken shin, whatever. Broken ribs, yeah. And so you know they're not, they don't give a shit about your physical health. Yeah. They kind of want you to die in the series. Yeah. And you said, okay, uh, I'm going to fight a nine-foot bear. Yeah. And they did not give you any guidance at all on how to fight a bear. And you're just like fighting a bear. Dude, I used to that want... Went, that knocked you out. I used to want uh, approval, like Hollywood approval, meaning like I, I, maybe I put it around fame back then. But like, I remember people saying like, I, I called my agent the other day. I went to, and I was like, who calls their agent? Like, I never called my agent. I always waited for them to call me. And like, people would be like, I have a relationship with my manager. And I was like, I can't even hear back from my manager. And so I, I think in stuff like that, I wanted, I just wanted people to be like, he's, it's interesting because whatever my flaw is in that, there's an opposite side. And I could, I could say names of guys that I'm friends with that were difficult to work with. I was so fucking easy to work with because I would do whatever the fuck you wanted. Dude, I got out of the I got out of the cage with a great white shark. I got out of a fucking cage. Like right, so you had to build this ability also to conquer fears. Because oh, oh, let me tell you, can like I Like if you're flying, that was the funniest joke ever when you're when you're skydiving, you know, and yeah. and your main worry is that the lap of the marine or whatever you're sitting on is going to get hard. Yeah. My dad called me right before I did that. I was driving to Irvine and my dad called me and I said to him, uh, I said, I, he's like, are you getting ready for production? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just so you know, I'm going skydiving with Rachel Ray. And he yelled at me. He got mad at me. He's like, he's like, God damn it. You're not a, you're not a, you're not a fucking, uh, stunt man. You're a comedian. What, what the, f this is the problem. And I, and I, the first time I've ever spoken back to my dad, meaning like, where I corrected him and I said, listen, dad, I'm calling you because I need your support. I'm not calling you to reiterate things I'm already saying in my head. I need your support. Like I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. Like I already feel everything you're saying. I need you to be like, you're going to be fine. Everyone skydives. No one, like very rarely do people die. die. And my dad was like, okay, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'm going to have to call you back. And then we hung up and I didn't talk to him for like a, a week. And then I went skydiving. And I got this email from him. I wish I could fucking find it. it I, this email was the, probably the nicest email, the greatest email my dad's ever sent me. And it was just saying, you're my hero. I can't believe you can conquer your fears and do stuff you know are dangerous, but you can rationalize this. Like it was the greatest fucking email. I, I was in South Dakota when I got it uh, and I read it to the my, my crew of shooters and sound guys. We used to all drink after we shoot in my room and I read it to them and like one of the guys started crying. One of the girls started crying. They're like, I wish I could get a letter like that from my dad. But yeah, I, my need for acceptance uh, well, well, had but, driven me to a lot of the stuff I did on television. And, and, and it comes across again as 
fearless. Like when you take like oh. the sick the the signal of taking your shirt off at the beginning of a stand-up special is that you don't care what people think. When the flip side is you do care what you they think, and you're somehow conquering a fear in the middle there and creating humor. So it's it all kind of creates this psychological cocktail that results in your in your uh, stories. I didn't even know I was I didn't even know I was fat to be honest with you until my buddies started fat shaming me. And my, Tom Segura started fat shaming me as a joke and he was fatter than I was. I didn't even know I was fat. I'm being dead serious. I knew I was a little overweight, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it the way that everyone else did. I swear to you on both of my children's lives, when I shot that special, the one of the Netflix special, I was like, bro, I look good. I'm being dead serious. I thought... I thought I looked really good. And then I when and now and then when Netflix put up that billboard of my belly, I was like that's not me, right? And they're like no, that's definitely you. And then I was like holy shit. Like I think part of me is a little bit oblivious. One of the things that you said earlier about me wanting to be the guy that lives the life of the party and is and is like the number one party animal. I think part of it is a need for acceptance and part of it is like this pure oblivious obliviousness to the way people perceive you. Like not even like, you know, I, I go, I don't have a filter, but I really don't have a filter. And, and it's the reason I don't do observational comedy because my observational comedy would be stuff that only I experience and I'm shocked you don't experience. Like we do a thing in our house called uh, unassisted sleeps. That's when you go to bed without drugs or alcohol. My wife counts them for me. She's like, wow, you got five unassisted sleeps this week. And I was like, oh, thanks. People, other people are like, Whoa, I'm sorry, what? You don't just read a book to go to bed? And I'm like, oh, no, you don't do that? Like, So I think there's an obliviousness of the way you live your life that goes hand in hand with that need for acceptance. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's almost like you were describing, um, you saw Tracy Morgan do stand-up at, I, at the Boston, either the Boston, Boston Comedy, Comedy Club or the Cellar. And um, he's describing about how we all relate to... You know who remembers finger fucking by the handball courts? And yeah. we're like, well, none of us did that. <laughs> that was a common shared experience in his life, and he just thought everyone did it. But I thought just the fact that nobody relates to it is hilarious. Like I would have been laughing at that. Yeah. The, oh yeah. The fact that no one did it. Right. Oh, I got a pretty dick. You can suck it with the lights on, and you're like, wait, who recognizes that? Like. But then you telling the story is even funnier because we get Tracy's joke, and then you're sort of. <coughs> Matt, uh, voice again. <clears throat> I wish I could drink water the way you drink water. I can't do anything slow. Yeah, like you I just took a little sip of water. <laughs> I just, I murder things. Like I, the second I take a sip, I just drink everything. That's why I'm not a good drinker. It's because I can't oh. just like chug beer. Oh, for real? Yeah, I guess oh. I sip it. I chug beer, beer to an alarming like rate. Like people, when I kill a beer... People are always like, like, they're like, really? I go, oh, yeah, you don't take a breath before you drink and then open your throat and just let it pour in and not breathe? And they're like, what? See, that's a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't. I so would, there's no punchline. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you have like this real natural storytelling ability that is funny. You have, it's, you have funny stories. You almost put yourself in funny situations and then you have funny stories out of it. The stories themselves are funny. And then the way you tell it is funny. With and then in, in your last special, I think you have a lot more punchlines and a lot more act outs, which makes yeah. it even funnier. Hey, don't leave so fast. Before you go, don't forget to claim your free copy of my free ebook called Fact Me. 
where I share with you my answers to a range of questions on business, coming up with ideas, getting unstuck, Bitcoin, and more. Get your copy of my book at jamesaltershire.com slash FAQ. That's jamesaltershire.com slash FAQ. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle.